all of you here with us this morning. I just want to go over a couple announcements. I'd encourage you to uh, open up your bulletin and take a, take a moment to read through it this morning. Today's flowers have been placed by Ted and Priscilla Demko in loving memory of Champ and Dorothy Coles. Uh, today is uh, Pastor Sky's last Sunday with us. Uh, so we are going to be taking some uh, time during the luncheon um, after, after the service. So we're going to we'll have the service and we'll have Sunday school. And then after that, we'll have a luncheon at 1215. Um, we're going to be taking time uh, just, to, just to thank Pastor Sky. Uh, we also I wanted to let you guys know that for Sunday school, Dave's class in Sunday school is going to be here in the sanctuary um, so that they can set up for the luncheon. Uh, we have a bunch of activities this week. Again, I'd encourage you to read the bulletin. Uh, we did want to highlight that this Saturday we are having our men's breakfast at Diamond Grill. Uh, so that will be this Saturday at 8 a.m. We're also continuing uh, our Operation Christmas Child, the shoeboxes. Um, we're collecting them. There's two weeks to go. Uh, so we already are running low on time for that. So again, we'd encourage you, there are shoeboxes in the back. You can take one, fill it up, and um, bring it back within the next two weeks. They're all due uh, November 12th. I'd also encourage you to take a moment and read the note of appreciation that's in the bulletin. Uh, those are all the announcements. So let's open up our service with a word of prayer. Lord, we praise you for this morning. We praise you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as a church and to look to you, to focus on you, to worship you, to open up your word and to hear from you this morning. I pray that everything that happens this morning is uh, directed towards you, that you would receive the honor and the glory uh, for everything that happens this morning. We pray that we would lift our hearts in worship to you right now. We pray these things in your name. Amen. As Pastor Jay shared, it is Pastor Sky's last Sunday with us, and while we still want to direct our worship to our Lord, we do want to also honor Pastor, and one of the ways we're going to do that this morning is we're going to sing all his favorite hymns and worship songs, so please stand as we sing.
God is good. Please be seated. And Lord God, we do thank you for your goodness today. We thank you that it comes from a good God. We thank you that your goodness is new every morning, that your goodness is with us, and that, Lord, you have personally shown us goodness through the Lord Jesus Christ, sending your only son for us, his goodness in uh, going to the cross, dying for our sins, and rising again. We thank you for the goodness of the new life we have in Christ, uh, the goodness of fellowship with Christ, walking with him each day, and uh, the goodness of your blessings each day. And Lord, as we uh, turn our prayer request to you this morning, Lord, we pray for your goodness over those on our prayer list. And Lord, we pray for Joan Bradway this morning. We uh, pray for her after the, the fall. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and that people uh, responded to her quickly and helped get her back up, helped call for an ambulance to come. We thank you that Joan is home from the hospital. We pray, Lord, for healing from her injuries. We pray specifically for this bump on her head. We pray for her scraped knees. We pray for her swollen wrist. We pray for all the uh, bruising that she has. We pray, Lord, that these things would heal. We pray that you would give her comfort from pain. And uh, Lord, we just pray for her recovery. Lord, we uh, also praise you for answered prayer for Fred Peterson. We thank you, Lord, that he had a successful surgery this week. We thank you that he's home from the hospital. We pray, Lord, this will be a restful time for him, a restful weekend. We pray for his recovery, and we pray for better health for Fred in the days ahead. We pray for a lady named Savannah, a friend of Holly's who was in remission from leukemia, but unfortunately it's come back. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you'll be with Savannah in a great way. We pray for wisdom for her, for her family and doctors. We pray for healing. We pray, Lord, that Savannah would sense your presence and comfort at this time, and that, Lord, you would lead her through this illness. Lord, we pray this morning for the town of Lewiston, Maine, as there was that horrific tragedy this week there. We pray for that community. We pray for healing. We pray that the gospel would go forth after the, after the shooting, we, shootings. We pray, Lord, that you would deliver us from evil, and that, Lord, you would keep our community safe. We know we live in an unsafe world. And so, Lord, we pray you would keep uh, uh, Quentin, Salem County safe from these kinds of things. We pray, Lord, that you would keep the church safe from any type of evil or, or attacks. Lord, we uh, pray for Israel this morning. And, uh, Lord, we pray for uh, an end to the war there. We do pray for the defeat of Hamas. We do pray that you'll be with the Israeli defense forces. We pray you would strengthen them in the, in the fight that they're in. We pray, Lord, for... Uh, uh, again, uh, families in need over there, those in need of relief, uh, uh, hostages. We pray, Lord, that aid would get to where it's needed. We pray that hostages would be able to go free. And, Lord, we just, uh, again, pray that you would bring an end to the fighting there. And we do pray, Lord, that Israel would know the Messiah, that our world would know the Messiah. We also pray for uh, Abu Saad and his safety in Jordan. Uh, we know, Lord, that we, uh, there's political unrest uh, all over the Middle East, there's political unrest in our own nation and the uh, demonstrations and protests and anti-Semitism that we're seeing at this time. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would bring peace. We pray that, Lord, you would change hearts. We pray, Lord, that you would protect where it's needed. Lord, we uh, thank you for the Women's Bible Study 21-Day Challenge. And uh, we know it's uh, drawing to a close. We pray, Lord, that the ladies would be able to finish well and that there would be a lot of fruit from that Bible study. 
We also pray for the uh, outage and others working long hours this fall. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray that that would be drawing near to an end soon. Uh, we pray for families that are stretched and stressed and uh, tired, overworked, all these different things that happen. We pray, Lord, that you would grant uh, peace and calmness to families and, uh, Lord, help the, the workers to finish out. We pray for our missionaries of the month, Mato Fernandez and Carlos and Yolanda Gomez in Spain. We pray that there would be many salvations there. And Lord, this morning we also pray for Renee Townsend and Tom Wood as they're uh, newly married. We pray, Lord, that you would bless their marriage, that they would uh, get off to a good start, and Lord, they would uh, just uh, continue to love each other and, and love you, honor you uh, in, in their marriage. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to take a moment uh, during the during the service today, just to take a moment to recognize and thank Pastor Sky, um, uh, along with his wife Beth and daughters Lily and Juliana, uh, just for their faithful service to our church. Pastor Sky came to the church in 2013 as associate pastor and then took over the role of senior pastor. Uh, overall, he's been with the church for 10 years. He's faithfully guided and served our congregation during that time. Uh, over his time here, Pastor Sky has preached hundreds of sermons covering topics like making disciples, the Ten Commandments, the Book of John, the Book of Psalms, Esther, the life of Paul, the seven churches of Revelation, Nehemiah, James, 1 John, Ruth, 1 Samuel, Romans, the Lord's Prayer, odd Old Testament stories, the whole Book of Revelation, marriage and family, Philippians, Acts, Genesis chapters 1 through 11, Ephesians, and most recently, Exodus. That's a lot of different topics he's covered. He's also led our church through many special services, Monday, Thursday service, Easter, Sunday service, Thanksgiving Eve, and Christmas Eve service. He's also made over 600 at-home or hospital visits. So uh, he's been out there quite a bit. He's performed 29 baptisms, three weddings, and five baby dedications. Uh, he started and ran uh, Easter egg hunts, uh, 14 different basketball camps, eight different soccer camps. He also ran Lego clubs, Bible blasts, and different things like that, hundreds of kids that he has personally impacted. Uh, one of the highlights of his time is his skits during VBS, where he's played roles like Clark Cavern, Ian Victor, Panda Pete, Irving Carter, Cam Track, Cliff Towers, and most recently, Mickey Way. And uh, one of the highlights of that is at the end of the week, seeing him get covered in something, potentially, on many, on many different occasions that's happened. Uh, he's also done a lot of outreach into our community. He's been involved with the Scouts programs, doing open-air evangelism, uh, sending out mailers into the community, uh, being at the Salem County Fair, making over 1,000 uh, balloon animals, uh, he started the Bags of Blessing ministry that he ran uh, for a few years. Uh, he's also performed over 70 funerals during his time. Uh, he's led different men's programs, like men's leadership training. He's attended many of the breakfasts and the care share groups. Uh, he's been actively involved with the prayer life of our church, teaching and leading our prayer meetings uh, every Wednesday night uh, for, year, for his whole time here. Uh, he's attended many fellowship uh, events, and he's per he personally was the one who came up with the idea of Puzzle Mania, a fun event that we've done the past couple years. Um, he's oversaw six internships. 
He's also provided counsel uh, to members of the church and uh, attended meetings as well. I could go on a list of all the meetings he's done. It has to be, I don't know, hundreds of meetings that he's been through uh, with our church. And all of that is just kind of the the stuff in the job description. He's also done a lot of stuff outside the job description, cleaning, uh, staying early, uh, coming early, staying late, moving tables and chairs around, shoveling snow, chipping ice, a hundred of other little things. Uh, he's helped our church to function during that time. I did want to uh, just take a moment and highlight uh, three specific things that happened during Pastor Sky's time. First, uh, he oversaw the nearly year-long process of uh, rebuilding the fellowship hall after the fire. Um, on the night of the fire, he was away in Ocean City uh, on vacation, um, and he had to come back, um, and he did to help take care of things here at the church. So we wanted to thank him for that. Second thing I wanted to highlight is Pastor Sky's time through COVID. Um, COVID was a very difficult time for many people uh, in our church and in our community. I um, mean, Sky was actively involved in trying to help with it, uh, from stream services to individual phone calls to outdoor services uh, to just different organizational meetings. Uh, the one thing that I personally saw through that entire time is that Sky was just concerned with the health of our church and uh, the people in it. Um, he was constantly trying to check in with people. The last thing that I wanted to mention uh, was a personal thank you to Pastor Sky for guiding me during, as associate pastor for all these years. Um, he's been a constant source of guidance, uh, prayer. We've constantly prayed with each other. Um, he's been concerned for both me and my family. Um, and he's been just an instrumental part of my time here as associate pastor. Um, he also organized and ran my ordination, um, something that I am personally very grateful for that uh, he was able to be involved with that. Uh, but even more than that, I'm grateful uh, just for the friendship that Pastor Sky and I have shared over these years. All of that is just Pastor Sky. I could do another speech talking about Beth, but I won't do that. Uh, but I did want to just personally thank Beth um, for all she's done, um, just her constant support of her husband, her care for the women here at the church, um, just all the different ways she's served with organizing and being involved with the nursery, with Sunday school, with VBS, and with Olympians. Uh, for all these things and so much more, we just wanted to say thank you. Um, thank you, Sky. Thank you, Beth, um, just for all that you've done, all the early mornings, all the late nights, all the sleepless nights, all the highs, the lows, the joys, the tears, the sweat, the concern, the prayers. Uh, just thank you for shepherding our church. I did uh, want to just take a moment, and I'm going to invite uh, one of our deacons, Joe, to come up and share a few words. And then Pastor Sky also would like to share a few words. Oops. What did I do with them? Ah. I want to share with you some comments that are hopefully a few partial humor, uh, a lot of truth, and... These, some of these things really never happened. But I want you to imagine you're being interviewed for a medium-sized, independent church pastoral position. Got that? And you ask, well, what will my duties or responsibilities be? The chairperson of the search committee leans back in his upholstered leather chair and begins to provide the answer that would be favorably acceptable to a large percentage of the congregation and says, 
Hopefully you'll be here for 10 years or so. Therefore you will have, and he proceeds to uh, have a list of things that he'll be involved. Preached uh, hundreds of sermons, hundreds of prayer meeting devotionals. You'll be attending at least 120 deacon committee meetings, 120 trustee meetings, numerous building committee meetings, missionary committee meetings, and probably other committee meetings. Conducted, conduct various weddings and funerals. You'll be asked to support the VBS programs, run a summer camp for soccer and basketball. You'll be making a lot of family visitations, including counseling and hospital visitations. You'll be attending men's breakfasts. You'll be a small group leader. You'll be given other devotionals. You'll conduct our annual church business meetings. Uh, you'll pop in on our youth group and college career activities from time to time. And oh, and don't forget sermon preparation and personal prayer time. They're really important. And you say, that sounds like more than a 40 hour a week. What about overtime, comp time, or double time? If I have to work on a holiday, the reply to that question is, well, that's all part of the job. You need to be always available 24 seven. Then you say, what about my family time? The reply to that is, you and your spouse will need to figure that out. Also, it would be really great if your spouse gets involved in some of the ministries here and your kids participate in our various youth groups. Lastly, the chairperson says other skills that would be helpful are things like, oh, computer skills, you know, like QuickBooks, Word, Excel, web pages, et cetera. You know those things, plus music, attending congregation, leading congregational singing or playing an instrument. Athletic and even mechanical skills would be good. The applicant says to himself, that's really a lot, but I feel God is leading me here. And the church body agrees that God is leading this person to their church. So now after 10 years, we can say to Pastor Sky and Beth, they have been a humble, tireless, obedient servants, faithful to God's word, and everyone here at Quinton Baptist Church. Beth and Sky, thank you for being our pastor, our preacher, and friends for these many years. We've all been and will continue praying for you and your family. Thank you. Good morning, thank you Joe and, and Jay for those tributes. I wanted to just take a moment to express thanks for allowing me to serve you for the past 10 years. Thank you for your prayers, your attendance, your service to the Lord, your giving, your concern for me and my family over that time. I'm especially thankful for all the cards, notes, emails, gifts, and people stopping in, stopping by in recent weeks to offer support. The last six months have been very difficult for Beth and I, as we faced increasing criticism, but the Lord really gave us 10 really wonderful years before that. Just to share a few favorite memories, the adult Christmas dinners, I wanna start there. Uh, the first one we came to was like our first event here, and that was very uh, special to us, getting to know everyone and uh, all the Christmas dinners after that. And then the New Year's Eve party, I remember Dale and Dave showing up at, my, uh, at the door of the parsonage. Uh, we had just moved in, and they invited us out to the New Year's Eve party that first uh, year in 2013. And then, uh, I guess it would be the end of 2012. And then um, all the New Year's Eve parties after that. 
the Thanksgiving Pie Fellowships, you know, was always a, a favorite of mine. Uh, VBS skits with Dale, all the laughs we got from the kids, all the laughs we had with each other, uh, practicing and doing it. Uh, Beth would want me to mention uh, how much she enjoyed all the ladies' retreats, all those uh, great times on those trips, playing Pictionary and uh, all the activities there. Uh, I really enjoyed all the outside fellowship events, uh, the hot chocolate, we even had that outside one year, uh, cornhole outside, all the fall festivals, strawberry festivals. Uh, Larry Finney's baptism was a special day. Now, all, obviously, all the baptisms are, are special, uh, including getting to baptize my own daughter, but I have to mention, something, there was just something special, really special that day when we got to, to baptize uh, Larry. That was a good day. Uh, as Jay mentioned, all the basketball camps, soccer camps, egg hunts, puzzle mania, bags of blessing, kids club, Bible blast, Lego club, county fair, uh, some great memories in our community outreach programs. Uh, all the prayer meetings we had, you know, just, just sitting around the table, uh, going through the word, uh, you know, looking things up, having a time of prayer, some great times in prayer meeting. Uh, then there was the time when uh, Pastor Brennan and I went to Christiana Hospital, and the receptionist at the hospital commented on my height. And she asked Pastor Brennan if he was my father. And Pastor Brennan smiled with that classic smile and said, you should see his mother. <laughs> it's a great time. Then there was the, uh, the time I was uh, at AI DuPont Hospital till midnight waiting for JC to get her appendix out. Uh, the story goes like this. I had gone over after VBS one night thinking she had already had the surgery. I get there only to find out she was just going into surgery. And so, of course, since I was already there, I waited till it was over. And that, that ended up being a pretty late night. Uh, speaking of that, um, uh, playing the board game Risk during ladies' Bible study with uh, Pastor Jay, Kinnan, and JC was a lot of fun. Uh, then there was a time Kinnan and JC and I stole Pastor Jay's umbrella, and he kept looking for it and couldn't find it. That was, that was pretty good. Then there was the, uh, the time that Skyla was sick from school and ended up here at church. And so Beth and I fed her lunch and spent the afternoon entertaining her, or she was entertaining us, uh, but that was pretty fun. Uh, playing hockey out on the frozen lake was a great time. Uh, then, uh, as you, some of you are here for this one, uh, the time we were praying for the Christmas shoeboxes and they fell right in the middle of the prayer. Uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, the tower, the tower just like gave out right in the prayer. Uh, there was a silly skits that Pastor Jay and I did over COVID. We, we did those on, on video. Uh, then the, there was a time the girls and I performed at the hymn sings. That was a lot of fun. Sports, playing softball outside, playing wiffball outside, playing football over at Quinton School. Family Promise, Taste of South Jersey, some of you got to go to that, the Cornerstone Banquet, and of course the uh, Quilter's Mennonite Luncheon. That was a big hit. All the Mennonites would come with their food, and uh, that was great. Uh, and then of course the Christmas and Easter services, special services. It's always good seeing people home for the holidays. I want to uh, express some thank yous. Uh, first off, uh, I want to thank my wife Beth for going through this with me, being my constant love and support being my sounding board, 
uh, previewing every sermon, 10 years of heading up the nursery, uh, doing VBS registration, Olympians registration, children's church, Sunday school, and going through all those last minute schedule changes where somebody, we got a call and somebody needed a visit, somebody needed something, and uh, going through all those schedule changes. So thank you, Beth, for, for being there. I want to thank Pastor Brennan for welcoming me to the church, showing me a great example of humility and service to the congregation. I want to thank Betty Brennan for being the Dowager Countess of QBC. That's a Down Abbey reference. And all, for all the many kindnesses uh, she has done for me over the years. I want to thank Mike McGowan for being my constant encourager. I'll never forget riding with you back from Ocean City the night of the fire. I want to thank Dottie for helping with the committees, the meetings, the annual reports, the Mother's Day flowers, the Father's Day candy, and all those things. I want to thank Dave Fedora for finding me up at Florence and telling me about Quentin. Uh, and I'll never forget how exciting it was to find out that he wouldn't have to go in the military anymore. That was a, an exciting day. I want to thank uh, Dale for leading worship and, and really all the great worship songs that you introduced us over the years. And uh, I know especially a lot of Christmas songs that you pick out have been, been great. Uh, also, thank you for leading Ladies Bible Study and all the fun I had dropping in on, on you guys, you ladies. I want to thank Cindy for all the good years we had working together in the office and for Bruce for always being available. I want to thank Sarah for her help as administrative assistant and Eric for stepping out in faith, starting the counseling center. But of course, I'm most thankful to you both for, for Ivy and just the encouragement she's been watching her grow in the last year. I want to thank Jeanette Finlaw for always being willing to play, for being patient with me, teaching me some of the, the hymns I didn't, I didn't know or didn't remember, and just having a good time in the Lord here at church and at Marion Gardens. I want to thank Joyce Thomas and Rachel Jardim and Barbara Peterson for working with my girls. Uh, I couldn't ask for better Sunday school teachers for them. Also for Shelly McFarland and Jen Grusmeyer working with my girls at the Christian school. I want to thank Jen Finney for always having refreshments ready for me between church and Sunday school and for many other times she helped us out. I want to thank Tim Fox for always checking in on me and Mike Baines as well. I want to thank uh, Dave and Brooke Van Meter for helping with our house. I want to thank Fred and Kelly Peterson for hosting small group with us and also helping with the house. And then there's just a, a lot of people I want to thank for their abundant generosity. Ted and Terry Woodside, Tyler and Tara Brandon, Ted and Priscilla Demko, Joe and Ruth Ann Fedora, John and Joy Brooks, Ron and Eileen Guth, Sherman and Miller, uh, uh, read uh, Ed and Donna Plummer, Billy and Danielle Dean, uh, John Denise Ridgway, Casey and Sam Brown, Nate Parker family, Brad and Ashley, uh, Albert and Mimi Rosari, Bob and Linda Ridsdale, Craig and Mary Cardinal, the Townsends, the Cravens, the Schwings, the Ekases, the Sayers, the, uh, the Carls, the Larry Ireland, Mary Hancock, Tom Bradway, Naomi Fogg, Ann Peterson, Kay Fox, Sandy Foster, Rosie Collier, Arlene Gertan, Linda Seitz, Sue Ballinger, Carol Weiser, John Croce, Jeanette Harrington, JV, and many more for their generosity to us over the last uh, years. And then lastly, lastly, I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Jay and Dana. Pastor Jay has done an excellent job as the associate pastor. Pastor Jay is smart. He knows his Bible. He works hard. He's dependable. He's mature. He cares about people. He's a good husband, father, and pastor, and in that order. He's also human, and he needs support. My prayer is that Quentin Baptist Church will be blessed 
in proportion to the support it gives to Pastor Jay and his family. Again, thank you, and please pray for Beth and I as we continue to seek the Lord's will. Let's continue our time of worship and continue to sing some of Pastor Sky's favorite hymns. Please stand. And as we sing, children in first through third are dismissed.
seated. If you could open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I'll be reading verses 25 through 34. The first book of the New Testament. Chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Do not worry, is the theme of this passage. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, as we pray now, as we gather before your word, we pray that you would speak to us. We know that your word is powerful. And Lord, we pray that your word would have an impact on each one of us this morning. Lord, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. It's raining cats and dogs. It's a phrase we normally use when we talk about how heavy it is raining. But what is actually really interesting is that we have a lot of different examples um, in our current world today of situations where it's not raining rain. Obviously, most of these are, well, all of these are fictional. Uh, I have a book that is, my daughter's has a bunch of poems in it, and it's called It's Raining Pigs and Noodles. So I brought that in. We also have examples of like kids' songs where it says, if all the raindrops were lemon drops and gum drops, oh, what a rain that would be. There's also another song that came out a handful of years ago. Some of the younger people might know it called Raining Tacos, where it's, it's, it's all about the fact that it's raining tacos from the sky and we can eat it. And there's a movie that came out a handful of years ago called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is all about it raining different types of food. Well, today we're going to talk about a chance, uh, opportunity in the Bible where something did happen, where it rained something that wasn't water. According to Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, it says it rained bread from heaven. 
We're continuing our series in Exodus, going deeper with God as we've been looking uh, with Moses through Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 16 today. So far, we've talked about God's call of Moses in the burning bush and the fact that God is holy. And then we talked about the ten plagues and God's power being displayed in the ten plagues. And then last time, we talked about the Red Sea party and God delivering Israel through the Red Sea. And today, we're going to talk about God providing. And the fact of the matter is God provides. If I were to boil this whole message down to two words, that would be it. But I want to specify what I mean when I say God provides before we get going. And what I mean by that is that He provides all of what we need to live and to serve Him. That does not mean that He provides all of our hopes and dreams. It does not mean that He provides everything we could ever want. God is not a genie in a bottle that grants our wishes. That's not how God works. But He does say that He will provide what we need. And that's what we're going to see here in Exodus chapter 16. Is God provides for Israel. There are three points we want to talk about today. The first point is that God provides despite grumbling. This story starts out with Israel grumbling. Let's read what it says. Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to him, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole, this whole assembly with hunger. So the very th- first thing that happens... And again, you have to picture where Israel is at this point in time. God just rescued Israel from slavery. He sent the ten plagues. He parted the Red Sea so that Israel could walk out on dry land. And at the beginning of chapter 15, we get this song that Moses sings, praising God for all that he's done. And what happens next? Israel starts to grumble and complain. In fact, this isn't even the first time. At the end of chapter 15, they already grumbled and complained once. There's a short story where they grumble against God that they don't have any water. And then here in chapter 16, they grumble that they don't have any food. And then in chapter 17, at the beginning of there, they grumble about water again. So we have these three stories that all take place right after God delivers Israel that are all about God providing for Israel, but all of them start with Israel grumbling. And what do they grumble about? They grumble because they wish that they could be back in Egypt. Think about that for a second. How often do we, first of all, how often do we on a practical basis always think about the good old days? We view it with rosy-colored glasses. We say everything used to be great back then. And that's what these Israelites were saying. They said things used to be great back when we were in Egypt. We used to have meat pots. We ate bread to the full. We had all this food. Is that what happened while they were in Egypt? No. At the beginning of Exodus, we read that they were crying out to God because they were oppressed in slavery. But they're talking about it like, oh, those were the good old days. We wish we were back there. We wish we were back being slaves under hard labor. It's better than being here. And what's interesting is Moses is very quick, and he does this in verse 7 and 8. We'll read that in a second. But Moses is very quick to inform Israel that they are not grumbling against him. They are grumbling against God. 
Moses says, listen, it wasn't my idea to bring you out of Egypt. God came in the burning bush. He's the one who started this whole thing. He's the one who parted the Red Sea. He's the one who's guiding us with a cloud of smoke by day and fire by night. He's the one who brought us here. You're not complaining against us. You're complaining against God. So how does God respond to the complaining? And the answer, amazingly enough, is that he provides. He uses the complaining as an opportunity to show his compassion, his mercy, his grace, his provision for Israel. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If I were in God's place, I don't know if I would do that. I, I, I don't always respond well to grumbling and complaining. I think specifically, and some of you guys have experienced this, I think of dinner time with my kids when my wife has taken hours of her time to make a fantastic meal and she baked everything and she put all the effort in and I watched her in the kitchen. She put all that effort in and she puts it at the table in front of my kids and what do my kids say? We don't like it. They, they haven't even tried it yet. We said, have you taken a bite? No, but I don't like it. We want something else. And they start complaining about the food. And that's just kids being kids, right? But at that moment, I get my like, pride built up. I'm like, okay, I'm providing for this. Dana's providing for this. We're putting all the effort in, and this is how you respond. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily take that very well. And I could very easily see where God's at right now. God's saying, listen to all the things I've done for you, and you're going to grumble and complain right now, but that's not what God does. God provides. God loves. God takes care of it. So what do we do with that? The answer is we rest in God's provision. How quick are we to look exactly like these pictures and grumble and complain against God? How quick are we to complain about the way our life is. You know, we look at those around us and we say, they have this, they have this. Why don't we have that stuff? And what's amazing to me is the stuff that we grumble and complain about would be so foreign to these Israelites. Like, they're just grumbling and complaining because they don't have food or water to drink. That is not the stuff that we grumble and complain about today, right? We grumble and complain because we don't like the food that we have, that we don't like the house that we have, that we don't like the TV, it's not big enough for us. We complain about all these different things in life, and all of it is ultimately complaining about God. And what is the answer to that? The answer to that is for us to stop, to be satisfied with what God has given us. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. We need to be content. But the great news, and this is not giving anyone an excuse, but the great news is that when we do grumble and complain, God is still there, just like he is for Israel. God is still there to love and to provide. And we can rest in him. That brings me to my second point, and that's that God provides in unexpected ways. Think for a moment about the position that God is in right now. He's got all these Israelites out in the wilderness. According to Numbers chapter 1, uh, verses 45 and 46, in that group it says there are 600,000 men over 25. So if you kind of start working those numbers, say, okay, what about the women, what about the children? You probably come up with somewhere around 2 million people. To put that in context for you, that is all the residents of Salem County, 
plus all the residents of Gloucester County, plus all the residents of Cumberland County and Cape May County and Atlantic County times three. That's how many people we are talking about here. And they're all out in the wilderness and they all need food. Think about things from an administrative side. How, how would an administrator come up with a solution to this problem of all these people being fed? And God does it in an unexpected way. Let's see what God does, starting in verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people should go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk uh, in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, there will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For, who, for what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of my people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay upon the, around the ground. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So this is how God goes about solving the problem. He goes about it doing two different things. The first thing he does is he provides a one-time a meal for Israel of quail. He says, this evening you are going to go out and you are going to eat your quail. That's a one-time thing. It filled them up. It, it handled the immediate need that they had in front of them. And then he said, and in the morning and every day after that, there's going to be bread. I'm going to rain bread from heaven. Again, think of what it would sound like to hear those words, rain bread from heaven. What do you mean by that? God said, wait, I'm going to show you. You're going to see exactly what I mean by that. And then in the morning, it says that they go out and they, the dew dries up and there's this fine flake-like thing on the ground. That's, that's the description that we get of it, a fine flake-like thing. If you jump down to verse 31, we get another little bit of a description about it. It says that it's called manna. It says it was like coriander seed in which that it was like white. Uh, and it also says that it was like a wafer that was made with honey. Now, what's actually amazing about that is honey back then would have been a delicacy because that was a natural sweetener that not everyone would have had. Nobody had sugar to add to food back then. So having something like honey would have been a delicacy, would have been something special. And that's what, it's, that's what we get that it tastes like. So we get this flake-like thing that tastes like wafers with honey that's white, and that is like the entire description about what we get, about, get out of it. We don't even actually know what it exactly was like. 
And it didn't seem like Israel did at the moment either, right? When they first saw it, what does it say that they did? They said, what is it? Like, they didn't even know what to do with this. They're like, is this food? What is it? And they have to be told by Moses, this is the bread from heaven that you guys are promised. This is the bread. And they start working from there. But it starts with something unexpected, something that they don't even understand. They say, what is it? They end up calling it manna, and the word manna actually comes from the word what. So it's literally called what. Like, that, that's, that's how they call this thing moving forward for the next 40 years that God's going to provide this for them. God provides for them in a way that they don't even understand, in a way that they don't even expect. And God does the same thing for us. He provides for us in unexpected ways. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 5, God makes this statement, and he makes it to Habakkuk, but I think that we could very easily apply this to us today. And this is what God says. He says, look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your day that you would not believe if told. Think about that for a second. God's saying, hey, I'm doing things that if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. That's how God operates as opposed to us. The things that we don't believe, the things that we don't see coming, the unexpected things in our life, God's working through that. It's actually really easy for us to see that when we think about our past, when we think about some of the things that have happened in life and we say, uh, at the time I didn't know why this was happening, but now that I've kind of gone a few steps further in life, I look back and I say, oh, God was working through that. God was making this thing happen so that something else would come about. An example for me is when I was in middle school, I attended a, a Christian school that I attended uh, during middle school, and that school ended up having to close its doors. And you think, at the moment, a Christian school closing its doors, that sounds like something bad. That sounds like something that God's not working with. It sounds like something that would take God by surprise. I had close friends there that I, I got separated from, and you know, I tried to stay in contact with them, but we ended up going to different schools. How would God be working in that situation? Well, I didn't get that answer until I started attending a new school. And in that new school, I got involved with new friends, and I started to develop my musical ability. I joined a band and started playing music more. And the other thing that happened at that school was I met a young girl named Dana. And looking back now, I say, I'm glad that that Christian school closed. And that's not something I would ever expect to say. But the way God used it in my life worked out for a blessing. And if we think back in our own lives, we see that. We see unexpected things happen and God used them as a blessing. The hard part, though, is today and the next day, right? The hard part is believing that and trusting that when things today don't go as planned when things today don't work out the way we want them to. If some of you guys are like me, I'm a planner. I like to have everything planned out. I like to have kind of the next week, the next month planned out. And when things change my plan, I don't always like it. I don't always like when my plans get changed. But God works through that. Do we trust him 
when curveballs come our way in life? Do we trust that He is working when the unexpected happens? God provides for Israel in unexpected ways, and He provides for us in unexpected ways. That brings me to my third point, and that's that God provides His way, not ours. God provides this manna from heaven, and then immediately He follows it up with instruction. I'm going to read the instruction that He gives, and as I read, you're going to see how Israel responds to that instruction. So I'm going to read starting in verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an o- each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. And when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered uh, whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of, of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left a part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered, gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people of Israel, or some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So God gives this bread from heaven, this manna, and then he immediately follows it up with instruction. He says, go out into the field, collect it, take an omer for each member of your family. Now, if some of you guys are wondering what an omer is, the fantastic thing is the Bible tells us, if you go down to verse 36, it tells us exactly what an omer is. It says it's one-tenth of an ephah. So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Now, so... So an omer is about two to three quarts is kind of uh, what we've kind of figured out. So they go out and they gather about two to three quarts for each member of their family. And it says some gathered more, some gathered left less. And then they measured it all out. Each person had their bread. And then Moses gave them an instruction. He says, eat the bread today. Don't leave any for tomorrow. Now that would have been a big thing to say to them because they were hungry prior to today. They had bread today, and if, if they were like me, I would start planning out. I'd start saying, okay, I can make this amount of food last for three days, and I could really draw out my food. And God says, don't do any of that. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'll take care of that. Worry about today and eat the food today. I think uh, immediately of the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, 
Give us each day our daily bread. That's what God's saying he'll do here. He says, I will provide your daily bread tomorrow and the next day and the next day. This is your daily bread today. Eat it. So what do some of the Israelites do? They save it till the next day. They say, well, I'll just save some till the next day. And what happens to it? It gets worms. It starts to stink. It says Moses gets angry with them. So they learn their lesson. They say, okay, we're going to just do each day. And then the, every day comes along and they gather what they need. And then the sixth day comes along and they get twice as much. God sends extra bread from heaven for them. And they gather up twice as much. And then Moses gives new instruction. He says, okay, now you are going to save it till the next day. You're going to bake it. You're going to boil it. You're going to do whatever. And then you're going to save it till the next day. And the next day is going to be a Sabbath day. So you're not going to go out into the field to collect any food. And if you were one of the people who had saved it on the previous day and watched the worms come and watch it stink, and then Moses is telling you, save it till the next day, you might be like, uh, not sure about this, but they do, and God preserves it. Think about how God is working in that moment, that for six days, if you save it till the next day, it'll start to stink and get worms, but one day a week, God made sure that it wouldn't do that. God is so focused on what is happening here and so detailed with what is happening here that he can preserve it on one day a week. And that's what God does. It doesn't stink. There are no worms. And then Moses says, now you have a day of rest. So what did the Israelites do? They go out and look for more food because on a day of rest, naturally they want to go out and get more food. But they don't find any. And then it says, God gets mad at Moses and says, how long are they going to test me on this? How long is this going to go where they don't trust me and they don't listen to me, they don't obey me? You see, the point of all of this is to obey God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is giving a speech to the Israelites and he reflects back on this moment as he speaks to the Israelites. And In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, this is what he says he says, He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So as Moses reflects back on this moment, what's Moses' observation? What's the point of all of this? That they would know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by the words of the Lord. The point of this is not the bread. God provides the bread. God will take care of that. The point of this is to obey the word of the Lord. God provides in his way and not our way. Now, that can be hard for us because we like to have things our way. There's a popular food chain, Burger King, out there, and their slogan is, have it your way. That when you walk into a Burger King, you get to dictate things your way. You get to go up to the cashier, and you get to order things your way. And I think oftentimes we treat God like that, that we get to go in and order things our way. And that's not how God works. God says, I will take care of you, but it's going to be my way. And God gives us his way in his word. He tells us how we are to live. And he says, you live 
by my way, and I'll take care of the rest. Charles Stanley says it like this. He says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. That our responsibility in life is to obey God's word. And then what comes next, he will deal with. God can provide for tomorrow. He can provide for what's next. Obey him today. In the passage that we uh, read before the message in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus makes this statement. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But what are we supposed to seek first? God, his word, his way, what proceeds from the mouth of God comes first. God can provide, but he does it his way. So here's what we have in Exodus chapter 16. God provides for Israel. He provides for their hunger, despite their grumbling in an unexpected way. He does it his way. He gives them instructions on how to do it. And he feeds and gives life and preserves the life of Israel. But the story doesn't end here. It actually jumps all the way into the New Testament when Jesus is talking about this exact event. Turn with me real quick to John chapter 6. And Jesus gets into a conversation with some people about this event back in Exodus 16. And this is right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. So food is on people's mind as they start this conversation. And in John chapter 6, starting in verse 30, it says, They said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So these people come to Jesus and say, well, what signs are you performing? Back then, Moses gave us food. He provided manna for people to eat. For 40 years, he provided it. And then Jesus responds, and he's very quick to point out that Moses didn't provide any food. This is what he says in verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And then in verse 35 it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus gets into this conversation with these people and they, they go back to the manna. They go back to Exodus chapter 16 and Jesus says, you don't get it. Back then, God provided life in the form of food. But now, God's providing a different kind of life. A spiritual life. An eternal life. Something that you will never be hungry again. And the people say, we want that. We want that food. And Jesus says, that is me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. And this isn't a physical hunger the way Israel had back in Exodus 16. This is a spiritual hunger, a spiritual life. You see, each one of us in this world, because of our sin, are marked for death. 
but in Jesus we have life. God provides a way for us to have our sins forgiven. God provides for us a chance to go to heaven to be with Him. God's provided it for us. And it's not in some bread or manna that comes from heaven. It is through a person, Jesus Christ, who goes to the cross and dies for us and rises again three days later. That is what it's all about. That's what God provides for us. Have you placed your trust in that? Have you placed your trust today in God's ultimate provision for your eternal life? The forgiveness of your sins. A chance to be with Him forever. If you haven't, today's your chance. Today's your chance to believe and to trust in Jesus and the work He did for you. And if you have, I want to say this. If you trust God with your eternal life, then let's trust God with today. Let's trust God with providing our daily bread today. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we praise you that you provide. We praise you that, God, that you are the God who knows our needs, who hears our grumbling, who loves us with the great compassion and mercy that we do not deserve. You love each one of us and you take care of us. You provide for us all the little things on a daily basis. You provide. And Lord, even greater than all of that, you provided a solution to our eternal life. And that solution comes in you. Lord, we praise you for all that you've done for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. We pray that we would trust in you for our eternal life and we would trust in you for today. For the daily bread today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. As I was reading through the lyrics of this song, I came across this line, and it made me think of Pastor Sky and Beth, because it says this, there's not a place that your mercy, God's mercy and grace, will not find you again. So wherever God leads you, his mercy and grace is with you. Let's stand and sing.
Again, we did just want to remind everyone that we will be having uh, luncheon following Sunday school as a chance to uh, recognize and thank Pastor Scott and his family. We'll also have people up here, up in the front, who'd love to take time and pray with anyone. If we're having trouble trusting that God would provide, if you're having trouble with something in your life where you feel like God's not providing and you need prayer, you need support, you need someone to talk to, we would love to take a moment and just talk with you this morning, to pray with you this morning. And Lord, as we go out today, we pray that we would find our trust in you. We pray that you would be the one that we look to. We pray that you would be the one to provide for us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.